Welcome back to Unbashful, everybody. This is episode 42. I want to thank you all for joining me here today. And of course, you saw the thumbnail. You saw the title of this video. We're going to be discussing She-Hulk episode 8. I'm going to give you my overall thoughts on where I think the show is going. My general thoughts about the show itself. The first eight episodes we've had. Of course, we only have one more episode left. Uh, But we're going to talk a lot about the highly anticipated Daredevil appearance that we all knew was coming. So let's just get right into it. Um, The title was not clickbait. The thumbnail was not clickbait. I believe this is the best episode of the entire series so far. Like I said, we do have one more episode to go through, so that could be better. But I got a feeling that this is probably, in retrospect, uh, after a couple months, I think I'm going to definitely look back and still consider this to be the best episode. And I'm not going to pretend like it's not because of Daredevil. I would probably say 95% of the reason why it was (laughs) the best episode of the show was because of Daredevil's appearance. But aside from that, there was actually quite a few improvements to this episode in terms of technicality and other things like the writing. I thought the writing in this episode was far superior and far better than any of the other episodes we've had, aside from maybe the first episode, because I really enjoyed the first episode. But the writing itself, I felt was just much, much, much better, just in general. Um, I think the jokes were funnier. That's another issue I've had with this show so far. And I was very surprised with how they handled Daredevil. I wasn't one of these people that was worried that they were going to make him out to be kind of like a jackass. Um, I definitely expected a tonal shift from the character compared to what we saw with the Netflix series. So I wasn't surprised we were going to get a difference in sort of the, uh, maybe not the line delivery, but maybe sort of the presence that he had. Uh, But I didn't think it was shifted and I didn't think it was changed for for, for the worse. I think he was a pleasant surprise. And even the little bit of, you know, jokes and humor he had... I don't think took me out of it. I didn't think it bothered me in any way, shape, or form. And I really liked them. And it, it, it's cool that we're starting to slowly see uh, Matt Murdock appearing in these different projects. We saw him in Spider-Man No Way Home. This is the first time we're seeing him in action, meaning like he's actually fighting crime. And I like this, you know, the the short little fight sequence he had with uh, She-Hulk. And one thing I'll address that I did not expect whatsoever was the fact that him and Jen Walters had sex. (laughs) Um, I know I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, quote me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure stuff like that has happened in the comics, but I didn't expect that to happen, at least not this soon. I thought that the show was going to take the approach that Jen Walters almost um, maybe admired Matt Murdock and, and, and his legal prowess and sort of how he handles himself in court and maybe almost try to not be a mentee to, to the mentor, but maybe trying to like pick his brain a little bit or maybe vice versa. Maybe Matt Murdock would see Jen Walters and see this, this big lawyer firm that she's working with at GLK and maybe try and see if he can sort of, you know, pick apart a few things, see her strategy. But no, they went right into the, to the sort of flirtatiousness of the show of the two characters. And I thought the chemistry between the two of them, the two actors, Charlie Cox and, uh, I can't remember her name. Um, Mussolini. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Tatiana Mussolini. That's the actress's name. I thought they had great chemistry on, on screen, which is something, 
Uh, I think it's very noticeable in films when you could see two actors, two actresses, an actress and an actress. You could sense when the chemistry is off just as an audience member. And I could definitely tell that they got along uh, probably behind the scenes as well. Not like, you know, implying that there was any, you know, whatever. I didn't mean it like that. I just, I, I can just tell that they definitely had a good time on set between everybody involved. Um, and I could just see that chemistry on screen, which was nice. So definitely didn't expect them to, you know, go full out with that in the Disney Plus show for them to just, you know, obviously we didn't see them having sex, but we know that's what was happening. <laughs> so that caught me by surprise. I did not expect that. Um, and I heard a couple people mention the CGI was better. I actually think I noticed that as well. It was very subtle. It was in the scenes, once again, where we get like a close-up shot of She-Hulk, of Jen Walters. Specifically, I noticed it uh, quite a few times in the scene where she's talking to Frogman at GLK. And the scene when she was talking to that douchebag uh, that was trying to like flex his money. When he was saying, oh, I, I bought this Wakandan spear for a million dollars. Um, I noticed it in those close-up shots, uh, a little bit more detail in some of her facial expressions that I felt like wasn't as visible in some of the previous episodes. But overall, the CGI for me has never been a big issue. I'm I'm also cognizant that this is a TV show, so it's not going to have the same budget of these other Marvel feature films. But even in that regard, I still think it's pretty comparable to some of the other Marvel movies. And I've seen much worse CGI in my life, and I'm sure you have as well. Um, but so aside from that, this was a fantastic episode. I literally don't think I have a single negative thing to say about it. Like I said, I'm not going to pretend and I'm not going to sit here and say that this is the best episode because of Jen Walters. It wasn't. It was mostly because of Daredevil and Charlie Cox once again you could tell, you could just see it on screen. Not only is, it, is he a great actor, but I can just see the life of the character breathing through him. I can see that he's having fun playing this character. He looks like he wants to be there. Um, and that's something that, as an audience member, I can appreciate. I'm sure you've probably watched other comic book films or watched other, not even just comic book films, but movies where you could just see and feel like the actor that you're watching may only be doing this for a contractual obligation, may only be doing this really because of that. Or you could just, maybe it's like the fourth film in a franchise and they're kind of fatigued from playing that character. Like I, know, I didn't sense that at all with Charlie Cox. Um, and I'm excited to see him pop up more. And I'm, I cannot wait for Daredevil Born Again. And I think they start shooting that series uh, in February, right around my birthday next year. And that's going to be 18 episodes for all the people that were complaining. And I am one of those people that the Marvel shows, uh, aside from She-Hulk and WandaVision that had nine episodes. I mean, even then, I, I, I think all of the shows really have been pretty short. They're, they're pretty much just movies broken down into little like segments, basically. Uh, they, I feel like they don't have enough time to kind of fully flesh out the story so they can breathe. Uh, and I think Marvel listened to that and they knew that th there's a lot of pressure with Daredevil inherently because, you know, the Netflix series has developed such a large fan base. I still have not uh, watched all three seasons. I just finished the first season. Right now, the show that I am absolutely hooked on, and I'm actually going to talk about this in more detail when I'm done season six is Better Call Saul. I talked about it last episode. I just finished season five. Season? 
I just finished season five and I'll, you know, not to get sidetracked here, but Better Call Saul for me is one of the greatest TV shows I have ever seen. And I've heard from people that season six is some of the best television of all time. So I'm going to talk about that show more when I finish season six. I got off track. I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, right. Daredevil. Um, yeah. So Marvel has a lot of weight they have to carry and they, you know, they listen to the fans. Kevin Feige is tapped into the fan base. He knows the expectations for them in terms of how they're going to handle Matt Murdock and the Daredevil character. And I'm, I'm positive, And I think if you're a Marvel fan, you should, you know, give them the benefit. Well, more specifically, you should give Kevin Feige the benefit, benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's really proven us wrong at all. You know, you could even point to a couple pro Marvel projects that aren't as strong as others. But I mean, the, the consistency that the MCU has maintained, that is something that you cannot deny. Um, I just feel like they've, they've, they've pretty much, like I said, a couple outliers. Even for those outliers, Thor The Dark World, you know, Miss Marvel... In my opinion, uh, maybe Thor: Love and Thunder. You compare those to other comic book shows and movies; they will still outstand those pretty much nine times out of ten, or maybe ten times ten times out of ten. Who knows, right? Um, so you have to, like I said, trust Kevin Feige in that regard. And I think even this tease that we saw in this episode of She-Hulk, I think that the character is in good hands. And I was also surprised with how long he was in this. Uh, he was in this episode. I didn't expect him to pretty much take up, a, you know, like seventy percent of the time, you know, co-starring alongside She-Hulk. And I loved. I was a little upset, but I, I loved the that we got a warehouse scene. It was very, you know, kind of drew some parallels to some of the warehouse fight scenes that we've seen in the Netflix show. Um, the only thing I didn't like is it was kind of cut short when Jem Walters slammed through the uh, slammed through the ceiling and, and sort of abruptly kind of took out all those four guys. But we saw a little tease before that. He was kicking some ass. I like the fight choreography. And, uh, and and his suit itself, I'm sure, to be honest, I, I, I do. Let me say this, actually. I'm kind of all over the place here. If there was one negative I could point to with this episode this is just my opinion and it's not really a negative because I didn't hate his suit uh but I do hope and I'm sure they will when we get to Daredevil Born Again I hope that he gets a completely new suit not just like another suit with a different kind of color you know matching because the suit that we saw in the show is pretty much the same suit that we see in the Netflix shows, and I, I I get why they're doing that. They they want to, you know, kind of remind people that are fans of the show that this is the same actor. May not necessarily be the same version of this character, but it's sort of a nice way to kind of bring fans back. I get that, but I'm hoping uh, that we get a completely new suit. Um, like I said, I didn't hate it. I didn't mind the yellow. I I, I get it's very. It kind of pays a homage to some of the earlier versions of the character from the comics. So that didn't really bother me. But if I had to point to one kind of thing that I would like to see. But if it doesn't change, I'm not going to you know lose my shit about it. Um, but yeah, so that's my thoughts on Daredevil. I loved it. I love this episode. I loved at the end how we had to do the walk of shame after leaving Jen Walter's house. 
And let me just talk about her for a moment because I feel like she had quite a few good moments uh, in this episode. And I've already mentioned a few of them. And I loved towards the end, you know, she was almost on the brink of going like full Hulk smash. Like she was about to lose her shit. And I think that was some of the best, you know, parts of the show that we've seen from her thus far. Like, you know, the other episode, like, I, I get it. We need to sort of break ground and introduce the audience to who this character is and sort of provide some insight on her life. But this is the stuff that I love seeing from She-Hulk itself. Now, my overall thoughts on the show as a whole, I'm not going to let this, you know, my passion for this episode, you know, blind me from how I felt the past seven weeks about the show. And overall, I've been pretty, pretty disappointed. And the reason why I've been disappointed is because the show started off great. I love the first episode. And I even think the second, the second episode was quite strong. But everything after that, I haven't really cared for. And I am not one of these toxic fans that overall doesn't like the show because it's a female lead or because it's a derivative character, you know, I'm not one of those people. I, 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 when I heard that they were doing She-Hulk, I actually was quite excited. You know, once I heard about that, once I heard about, you know, Moon Knight, I was actually very, you know, I was looking forward to these characters because these are such obscure characters that yes, some people may be familiar with them, but most, you know, Western audience viewers don't really, you know, the casual movie going audience doesn't really know, you know, the, the detailed history of these characters, right? It's almost like Guardians of the Galaxy when people heard that they were getting introduced to the MCU. Like, people, most people were like, who are they? Um, and similar to Miss Marvel, because I actually think Miss Marvel is one of the weakest projects out of the entire MCU. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I like the actress who plays that character and I like the character itself. I just found that her show wasn't very interesting to me. That's just my opinion. And that's that's similar to how I feel with this show. Now I don't feel as strongly about the show in terms of my you know disdain for it as I did for Miss Marvel. I do find the show far more interesting than I did Miss Marvel. But overall, from how it started to the five episodes that followed it, I wasn't the biggest fan of those, and I feel like it was just a dip in quality from how the show started in those first two episodes for me personally. Aside from this episode, of course, I think they nailed it with Matt Murdock. Um, now, the you know we're, we're noticing a trend with these Disney Plus shows, even with what I just said, a lot of them start off strong, and they, you know, week by week, kind of get weaker, you know. Uh, that was my biggest problem with Moon Knight. Moon Knight, for me, aside from Loki, was my most anticipated uh, MCU Disney Plus show thus far. And that and that's why it pains me so much to say it's actually one of my least favorite Disney Plus shows so far because of how, first of all, how little Moon Knight there was. Like, it's one thing to argue and say, like, well, they had to develop the Stephen Grant, you know, personality and, and, the, and the Mark Spector. Per that, okay, that's one thing, right? But... There was very little Moon Knight in that show entirely, right? I mean, you could tally it up to probably maybe 15 minutes of screen time out of the entire show. Even in the finale. I mean, I'd say the finale is probably the most we saw of him, which that's that should be the case. But 
So, you know, that, and I think the film kind of got a little bit goofy towards the end with, with some of the visual effects and the gods and everything like that. Um, did I say film? I meant to say show. Uh, yeah, so where am I going with this? I What I'm hoping is that the show, She-Hulk, could end on a high note. If, if the finale, I don't need it to be amazing. I don't need it to be even great. If it can just be solid, if they could just end on solid ground, maybe tease where we're going to see this character next, that's all I ask for. I just don't want a, you know, a clusterfuck finale with 90 other, you know, storylines tethered all together in this one concoction. Just make it a nice cohesive ending. It doesn't have to be grand in scale. I'm not expecting any crazy cameos. Just make it make it fulfilling, make it satisfying enough while leaving the door open cuz we know that, you know, She-Hulk is going to obviously return in other projects. I just really hope this trend doesn't continue of the Marvel shows starting off great and kind of getting, you know, dropping in quality week by week and getting less less uh, less and less interesting for me personally. But that's overall my thoughts on She-Hulk episode 8 and the show as a whole. Now the next um, topic we're going to move on to, I think it'd be fun. Uh, I'm going to do a complete phase 4 ranking of everything we've had thus far. Now I know that we're not done phase 4, but we're, we're pretty much done phase 4. We have one more movie. And this is the last series for this phase. We have Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So, of course, when that comes out, I will tally it in this list. Um, and the only other thing I haven't seen from Phase 4 is What If. Just because, I'll be honest with you, I don't care about What If. I've never really been interested. I've heard good things, but I'll probably never get around to watching that. So, let's get into it. Uh, and I am going to include She-Hulk in this list. Now, you could say that's not fair because the show's not over. But I've got... Unless episode 9 blows me away, um, I think most audiences have gathered a, a, a pretty decent understanding and, and kind of feel for how the show is, uh, considering we're basically done. So I will include it in this list. Um, so yeah, let's move on to that ranking. Okay, so let's jump into this tier list. Now, I think this would be pretty fun to talk about in the comments section, so... Please let me know your tier, your tier list. I know mine's going to be very different from a lot of people. I've watched a lot of videos of other people giving their personal tier list. And sorry, by the way, if you're not watching and you're listening, that little pause and that sound, I'm just drinking my, my Coke. So, but anyways, uh, I've seen some other people's tier lists and there are some similar spots, but I think mine is quite different from a lot of the others. Uh, which is good. I think people should definitely form their own opinions uh, and they shouldn't just base their interests off other people's interests. But here we go. Starting with number 13 is Miss Marvel. I've talked many times. I'm not going to get into, you know, length again. You you know, my thoughts are in other videos. And I just talked about it five minutes ago. Um, didn't like the show. Really found it pretty uninteresting. And uh, it's just personal taste for me. I'm not really a big fan of kind of high school TV shows. That's why I've never seen things like high school, high school, high school musical. Excuse me, I can't speak today. Um, and just stuff like that. Not really for me personally. So even before I watched it, I kind of already knew that this probably wasn't going to fall in line with my interests. Has nothing to do with the character. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Miss Marvel in other projects. I think she'll probably, you know, I think I'll probably enjoy it more. 
uh, and I think the actress um, Aman, uh, I can't remember her name, but I think I think she played the character very very well. So no issues there. But so but overall didn't really enjoy the show. Found it pretty boring. Um, just for my you know personal opinion. So that's number thirteen. Number twelve, Black Widow. Going into this film, didn't really have the highest expectations, knowing that it was going to be a prequel. Uh, I think this film just kind of came too late, to be quite honest with you. And overall, I think, you know, the story sounded compelling on paper, but how that third act played out with that, you know, big flying ship in the sky with all the different Black Widows. See, I can't even fully remember because to me, I think the film is just not really memorable in any way. And it's just kind of one of the forgettable MCU projects, uh, you know, that we've had so far. Um, there are certain highlights. I love David Harbour as Red Guardian, which we do now know he will be one of the main leading characters in uh, the Thunderbolts film. And we, of course, are introduced to, I guess, our new Black Widow, um, who will also be in the Thunderbolts. Uh, Florence Pugh's character, I can't fucking remember her name. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, so we were introduced to her, and then we were introduced to uh, Valentina... I gotta, I gotta remember these names. I can't remember them. I'm sorry. My fucking memory's going on me. Every time I do these podcasts and I'm trying to remember a name, like I have notes here. I'm going to have to start writing characters' names on here because I just, I draw blanks when I'm, when I'm in front of the camera here. I just can't remember the names. Um, but yeah, so quite a few characters introduced for different future MCU projects, which we, which we know are coming. So in that regard, it had some impact. But for the most part, the story that was told in front of us was a prequel. So I didn't really go in with any sort of earth-shattering expectations, knowing that this was going to be a film documenting events that took place before, I think before, I think the time between Civil War and Infinity War, I think, is when this film took place. Because at the end of the film, we see that she's on the run and she's got the white hair that we saw in Infinity War. Um... So, yeah, uh, I like Scarlett Johansson. I think she's a great actress, you know, just outside of the MCU. But nothing terrible, nothing memorable. Just kind of okay. Um, but out of all these other projects, definitely one of the lower tiers. Uh, 11 is Hawkeye. Now, with Hawkeye, uh, similar to Black Widow, knowing that this is very much a grounded character... I love the sort of cosmic part of the MCU, so I like Jeremy Renner. I think he's a great actor, similar to Scarlett Johansson, but I think his character specifically in the MCU is not is not one of the characters that I'm more interested in. I'm more interested in the sort of cosmic, you know, more kind of supernatural, grand scale, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, for example. Those are the characters that I really enjoy. So similar to Black Widow, wasn't really going into this with the highest of expectations, um, and I, I really, my thoughts of this show are very similar to Black Widow. You know, we're introduced to a character that we know will, we will see in other projects being Haley Steinfeld's, uh, uh, character in the show, uh, Kate Bishop. And I liked her. I think she's a very likable character. I think Kate Bishop is a great actress. She brings a lot of, you know, charisma to the role. Um, but my, my biggest issue with the show was that I feel like they shouldn't have called this Hawkeye because really the story surrounds Kate Bishop, Kate Bishop herself, her family, 
um, and how everything kind of circles back to them. And I think Hawkeye was more of like a supporting character. He wasn't even really like the main kind of plot moving device, for lack of a better term. He's in the show and, you know, there are some impacts to him in his life, but really in lies the story it it basically revolves around Kate Bishop he more or less found himself at the wrong you know the the wrong place at the wrong time when he met her you know what i'm saying so i i, I definitely feel like this show is more about her and less about him um so i think the title itself is kind of misleading in that regard um just for my personal opinion but this is one of the shows however that the more i think about it over time I am a little fond. I'm a little bit more fonder about it the more I think about it, but I still don't enjoy it as much as some of these other ones. So that's number eleven. Number ten is She-Hulk. Uh, like I said, um, aside from episode eight and the first episode, and even the second episode, I, I, I didn't. I, I enjoyed. I think three to seven were just not very interesting. And I found myself often watching the show, kind of going, you know, scrolling through my phone while watching it, you know, pausing to, you know, whatever, go make food. So, like, the, it, it lost my full undivided attention, whereas some of these other shows, I was locked in from the very get-go. But I'm not going to get into my thoughts again. I just talked about that in the last topic. So, that's number 10. Number 9 is Moon Knight. Probably my, the most disappointing show for me. And you could say, well, how it's number nine. If it's the most disappointing, it should be number 13. The thing about the four shows I just talked about, I kind of already knew what I was getting myself into. With Moon Knight, I was excited. I was amped. I was wondering the whole time, why the fuck aren't they making this into a film? So my expectations were very, very high heading into this. So the fact that what we got, now not everything in it is terrible. I actually think my favorite part of the show wasn't even Moon Knight himself or Oscar Isaac, although I think Oscar Isaac actually had a, did he played the character very well. I just think we didn't see the Moon Knight side of him enough. And in fact, I think episode four for me, I think it was either episode four, or episode five, when we get the full kind of, you know, um, uh, explanation as to what's happening to you know Stephen Gray and Mark Spector when we get the flashback with his family that was some masterclass acting from Oscar Isaac but if I had to point to one thing that I that I enjoyed the most out of that show was Ethan Hawke's character as uh excuse me Arthur Harrow I think Ethan Hawke is such a good actor but I was surprised I never expected him to do anything with Marvel because I think years back he even said he wouldn't uh, and then, of course, we f we found him in here, and I think he was great. One of the definitely the more memorable villains that we've had in Phase Four, uh, compared to some of the ones that I'm going to talk about in a moment here. But overall, though, the show for me, after the first episode, it just once again, it's it, it's that trend with these shows. They slowly start to get less and less interesting, and Sometimes they get a little bit campy, a little bit goofy, um, and I feel like they start to lose, not even lose their identity. I feel like the show is just a journey. I feel like each of these shows, they're trying to find their identity through these episodes, and then when they reach that point in that finale, they just throw everything against the wall and see what sticks, just for me personally, and I feel like this show struggled with that the most. I feel like the finale was just all over the place, and 
And yeah, but uh, I was disappointed, but I am, once again, with these shows that I'm disappointed with and I'm critical about, I want to see these characters return because I know that in the right project, they can be fucking entertaining and they can be amazing. And I know that the next time we see Moon Knight, it's probably going to be awesome. And that's really, if I had to point to one problem the most out of Moon Knight, was that we didn't get enough Moon Knight. The show really should have been called, like, Mark Spector, a Moon Knight origin story. Something like that. Because this was more about Mark Spector and Stephen Grant than it even was about Moon Knight. You know what I mean? So, if this show gets a season two, I think there's maybe an opportunity to kind of build upon many of the positive things that that show did. And we could get more Moon Knight itself. Um, but yeah, so that's number nine. Number eight is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, following WandaVision, you know, I was looking forward to this. Uh, I, you know, obviously at the end of Endgame, we saw that Anthony Mackie's character, uh, Sam will, he, you know, he, he took up the mantle as Captain America. And I was curious to see how he was going to handle that. And then, of, of course, now that we've seen that Bucky is basically pardoned of all of his crimes, he's sort of back to, you know, he's of sound in mind. He's not being brainwashed by, uh, you know, um, whatever, you know, all that stuff that happened in Civil War. So he's basically free to do whatever, you know, how how does he live with himself, right? This guy has gone through so much Um how does he function in everyday life? I think those are interesting storylines to deal with. Uh, my biggest issue with the show was not any of the main characters. I thought both of them were exciting. My biggest problem with the show was the antagonist, uh, the Flag Smashers, and more specifically, the leader of the Flag Smashers. I just think her character was just... I, 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 not just her character specifically. I think that whole movement of trying to you know, live life the way it was, I think it was during the blip, uh, I, I can't even remember, I just didn't find them interesting, um, just to be quite honest with you, but I think that show had actually one of the better finales out of these Disney Plus shows, because I loved that we, we finally got, um, the Captain America suit, which is very, very comic book accurate, um, yeah, so overall, one of the better finales, but, Nothing kind of groundbreaking about it. So number seven is Thor, Love and Thunder. Now, this is a film that my first viewing, I really enjoyed it. Um, but as I kind of marinated on it, as I thought about it more, I feel like I enjoyed the film. Like I, Basically, what I'm trying to say is the more I thought about it, the less I actually enjoyed it. But I wanted to rewatch it. And... I tried rewatching it and I just didn't like I, I I could tell that I didn't feel the same as I did initially because I think when I first saw it I was just kind of yearning for a, you know a big summer blockbuster film and that just that filled that void at that time. Uh, there are certainly things I like about it, but the the big narrative surrounding it is that the film was too silly and. I'm not gonna go as far as to say silly, but I feel like rightfully so, Taika Waititi saw the success that he had in Ragnarok, and I feel like he just took it a little bit too far in terms of the stylization and in in terms of the dialogue and the humor. I think because the problem was that the the film was so set and focused on that kind of you know feel and, and that kind of mood that when there were those opportunities. 
where they did have to explore more serious themes, I felt as an audience member, I couldn't really take the movie seriously at that point. Like the whole stuff with Jane having cancer, like I couldn't, for me personally, I just couldn't really take that serious just because of all the other things going on with, you know, the, the lightheartedness and the humor. I think you can be lighthearted in a film. It's not like everything has to be like Schindler's List. No, uh, but I think you have to kind of balance it out where it doesn't, pull you out when you are trying to be serious. Um, that's sort of how I feel. Not a terrible film, certainly not better than Ragnarok. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's sort of my, my opinions on that. So that's number seven. Number six is Shang-Chi. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Shang-Chi is one of the most overrated Marvel films, uh, of all time, to be quite honest with you. I enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's number six, you know, it's, pretty high up on my list but I've heard people talk about this film and some people say it's like the best film out of phase four and I I I I don't agree with that at all um now of course that's her opinion you're entitled to it but I'm just I, I don't know I feel like the film is heavily overrated uh I enjoy it you know I I, I the third act was interesting I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere um, and I, I think it sets up some things with the, with the MCU, with the 10 rings. I think that's going to have pretty big implications. We see that there's, they're almost like a beacon and they're calling out to somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I it's, it's hard for me to kind of articulate how I feel about this because like I said, I, I enjoyed it and I think it's good and it's number six on my list. So it's, it's better than love and thunder. It's better than pretty much all the other Disney plus shows I've talked about. Uh, but I feel like it's not as good for me uh, from see for I don't want to say from a narrative perspective because the narrative actually is 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 pretty you know linear and, and easy to understand you know what I mean like you you have this character who's been tied to his father his whole life you know now he's living on his own he kind of wants to separate himself from that identity and sooner or later naturally organically, his paths with his father and himself are just going to collide because they, they they see the world differently, right? His father sees the world in sort of more of like a, not a nihilistic approach, but he sort of wants, he's more of a villain, right? He wants to, he wants to have control over everything. Well, of course, his son, he's lived in, he's lived on his own. He's seen the world from a different perspective and I just, he doesn't share that belief. And he's actually, you know, as he's looked back, he's seen the blatant flaws that his father has and how he sort of lives and, and things like that. So from a story perspective, I don't think it lacks. I just, I, it's hard for me to explain. It's just my opinion. I just don't feel the same about this film as other people do, but yeah. Uh, number five is WandaVision. Um, WandaVision started off great. Uh, the first four episodes were, 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 were awesome because it was the first Disney plus show we had. We were, we were looking forward to seeing how they're going to handle this. Is it going to be like a, you know, is it going to feel like cinematic or is it going to very much feel like a TV show? And I think the concept of like every episode was a new, uh, was a new sort of decade was very intriguing. There was a mystery following, but leading up towards the finale, I think most people were just tuning in because at that point we just were speculating that Dr. Strange is going to show up. Mephisto is going to show up. Um, but aside from that, I think this is definitely one of the better Disney Plus shows. Uh, the second best Disney Plus show, in my opinion, so far. Number four, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. I really, really enjoyed this film. Uh, 
I, I just love Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. I think he's he has just owned this role, and I cannot wait to see him more. Um, and I, I, I think this is a great story. Of course, we got to see the Illuminati, and then we got to explore different multiverses. Although, I don't think the film... You know, one sort of complaint is I feel like with a longer runtime, because this film was just, you know, basically right on two hours, they didn't actually explore many of these different multiverses aside from the 838 universe, uh, the universe with evil Doctor Strange, and then the main 616. They didn't really explore those other ones that we got quick, you know, through that sequence when they were traveling the multiverse, we saw like the noir universe, the water universe, the the sort of blocky universe. Like we didn't really explore those. I would have liked to see that a little bit more. Um, But overall, I I, I loved the film. I I really did. I I actually, I I do think it's better than the first. At times, Sam Raimi's kind of campiness humor did pull me out a little bit, but overall solid film. Uh, One of the better films in phase four. Number three, this is, I think some of you will consider this a hot take. Uh, I I definitely enjoy this film more than most people. I think the third best project in Phase 4 is Eternals. I adore this film. I loved it. I think Chloe Zhao's direction from a cinematography perspective, I see so many... like. For example, if you watch her film Nomadland, you can definitely feel a lot of her kind of taste and direction and style in this film. And... In terms of quality, this felt like a step up from a lot of the other MCU projects we've had. Not to kind of shit on those, because I've, I've told you I think the consistency has been great across the MCU. But um, I, I, I just I loved Eternals, and I think that the fact that they were introducing so many new characters in one film, enough to make an entire Avengers team itself, I think they did it beautifully. They give enough screen time and development, so you care about a lot of these other characters. And we're going to be seeing some of them pop up in other projects as well. We're going to be seeing Dane Whitman pop up in Blade uh, as the Black Knight. So I love this film. It's one of my favorite Marvel films I've seen in a while, and uh, I know I enjoy it more than most people. Number two is Loki. Loki, for me, was such a surprise, and there's so many things I love about it. First of all, I love the world of the TVA, and the intrigue, and the mystery. Like, I talked about mystery on WandaVision, but I felt the mystery was more intriguing in this because... You have this kind of like scheme and and, and and this sort of like, you know, bureaucracy sort of controlling everything. But you're, you're trying to figure out like who's behind all this? Like who's the guy? Very similar to maybe bureaucracy was the wrong word, but sort of this kind of like Illuminati-esque, you know, thing that's going on. That's the, this, this organization. You want to know like who's, who's controlling this. It's very similar to The Wizard of Oz and... Because of the no cameos in WandaVision and how there was no big kind of grand reveal, I lowered my expectations going into this. You know, I heard people saying, Kang's going to show up, Kang's going to show up. And I just, I I didn't want to be disappointed. So I told myself that we're not going to see Kang. He's not going to get introduced in Loki of all shows, but he was. And that for me was, episode six was amazing i i think it was the best finale that marvel has done and i definitely think loki season two is one of probably top three my most anticipated project for phase five 
Loki is the only Disney Plus show that I've actually gone back to rewatch. Like, not just like one episode or two episodes, the entire show itself. None of the other Disney Plus shows, as soon as I'm done, that's it. Fun to watch. Don't plan on rewatching them again. Loki is one of those shows that I have actually revisited it many, many times. And I love it because Loki, this show, not only just in terms of Jonathan Majors and all that, this show has given him so much more kind of growth for his character. He's not just this kind of mustache twizzling, you know, villainous guy. Like this show gave him a lot of emotional depth that we hadn't seen from him. And now in terms of the MCU and the sort of continuity, he is one of the most important characters as we continue through this multiverse saga. And I've talked about this before, um, but for me, Loki, really no complaints. I love the supporting characters. I loved Owen Wilson as uh as Age of Mobius, and I loved Sylvie. Uh, this show for me is is pretty much perfect. Uh, of course, number one, no surprise, Spider-Man No Way Home. I almost wanted to hesitate putting it in this because I almost don't even look at it like as a Phase 4. It almost just feels separate from Phase 4. Like, obviously, it you know, has Doctor Strange, it deals with the multiverse, but it just feels like this kind of anomaly in a great way, obviously. Um, but, you know, I don't need to get into my, you know, you, you know, everybody knows how, how, you know, people love this film for the, for the obvious reasons, Toby and Andrew showing up, but this film was almost like the origin tale for Peter Parker. And now moving forward, then we can kind of address him just living a, you know, a simple life, you know, trying to make ends meet financially, working through school, being Spider-Man, the, the MCU trilogy, the first one that we've had, cause I do feel like the next three, uh, will be in the MCU as well, but I feel like these first three MCU Spider-Man films almost worked backwards in, in terms of developing Tom Holland's version of the character. In, in the third film, instead of kind of wrapping up his story, we're now almost starting a new beginning with him. And now, I actually care more about his Spider-Man specifically because of this now crazy origin story we've had. He's been mentored by two different Spider-Man, by Tony Stark, Doctor Strange, like... I think for the people that complain that, oh, every time we see him, he's he's got to have somebody there to help him. I think that the next Spider-Man film that we're going to see, he's going to be a lot more independent. Uh, sure, we might see other characters pop up from the MCU, but I don't think it's going to be in that leadership role that we've seen with Tony Stark and, and, and Doctor Strange. But yeah, that's... That's it, everyone. So just to round up the list again one more time, number 13, Miss Marvel, number 12, Black Widow, number 11, Hawkeye, number 10, She-Hulk, number 9, Moon Knight, number 8, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, number 7, Thor, Love and Thunder, number 6, Shang-Chi, number 5, WandaVision, number 4, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, number 3, Eternals, number 2, Loki, number 1, Spider-Man No Way Home. And then as I mentioned already, uh, have not seen What If, don't care to see What If, probably will never see What If. Uh, and then, of course, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the only film that's not on this list because it's not out. So once it's out, then I'll give you guys an update on the list. Uh, I think it's probably going to fall somewhere in the top five. I got I got a funny feeling this film looks like it's going to be nothing short of spectacular. But a little bit of a shorter episode today that's going to wrap up everything. There's not really much going on in terms of movie news. Uh, I would have liked to talk about some you know, other movie news, but it's pretty much just Marvel stuff today. So if you tune in for this, if you're still here at this point, I want to thank you very much for joining me today on Unbashful. Make sure to like and subscribe, and I will see you all on the next podcast. Have a good day.